Anxiety and depression is on the rise. The Washington Post this week published an article, and the title reads this. A third of Americans now show signs of clinical anxiety or depression, Census Bureau finds. And so between May 7 and May 12, uh, the Census Bureau uh, contacted a million U.S. households asking them to take a 20-minute survey. And 42,000 households complied. Within that survey were four questions doctors used to screen patients for anxiety and depression. And what was discovered was that 10% of respondents indicated that they were anxious, not depressed, but anxious. 4% said that they were struggling with depression, but not anxiety. And then another 20% indicated that they were both struggling with anxiety and depression. So 34%, 34 out of every 100 respondents uh, would uh, qualify to be considered either clinically uh, anxious or have clinical depression or some combination of both. Now, this is a dramatic rise, a dramatic rise in anxiety and depression. And it makes sense because we're in the coronavirus pandemic and some people are experiencing real hardship in their life, physical, economic. All of us are uh, kind of swimming in a, just a sea of uncertainty and a whole lot of bad news. And for many people, their support structures uh, that, ha that have buoyed them up for so long have been uh, taken away, aren't, aren't present for them. And so as a result, there is this dramatic surge in uh, anxiety and depression in our nation. One third. Uh, so you look around your neighborhood. Every third house. Um, your colleagues. Uh, one out of three colleagues. Maybe it's in your family. And amongst your friends. Maybe you are experiencing anxiety and depression during this time. Isaiah. In our biblical text today. Encourages us to praise the Lord. And he gives us five reasons why we should praise the Lord. Now, uh, the Bible never tells us, praise the Lord so that you feel better. The Bible says you praise the Lord because God is worthy of our praise. He is awesome and what he has done for us is awesome. doesn't say praise the Lord so that you can feel better. But, but we shouldn't be surprised by the fact that praising the Lord turns around to help us and our sense of well-being. Because it does. Um, praising the Lord is very wrapped up in thankfulness. When we are praising the Lord, we're, we're no longer looking at ourselves and our problems and our fears. And our disappointments and our heartaches. We're looking to God outside of ourselves. And we are seeing God and we are appreciating him and we are enamored with him and we, when we begin to say, God, you are awesome and what you have done for me is glorious. And, and that, is, that just wells up within us thankfulness and praise to the Lord. And there's a whole lot of research 
that uh, has been done that demonstrates that gratitude, thankfulness, does lead to a, a, a lower anxiety and a lessening of depression, a greater sense of well-being. In fact, in Harvard's Health Publishing, the online Harvard Health website, uh, there's an article titled, Giving Thanks Can Make You Happier. And in that article we read, Positive psychology research, uh, gratitude is strongly and consistently associated with greater happiness. Gratitude helps people feel more positive emotions, helps people relish good experiences, improve their health, deal with adversity, and build strong relationships. So again, uh, we, we don't praise the Lord so that we will feel better, uh, but it is an added benefit, and we shouldn't be surprised that the one who created us, who... Uh, in, for whom his own glory is, is pre, um, paramount, has designed us so that when we are praising him, we are healthiest and most satisfied and happiest. And so we, we praise the Lord because he is worthy of praise, but you know what? It blesses us. It makes us less anxious. It gives us a greater sense of well-being. And I'll tell you, in a time like this, hey, uh, that's a discipline. I, in fact, I would really encourage you to discipline yourself to praise the Lord every day. And it'll do wonders for your uh, well-being. In fact, uh, one, uh, one uh, article I read uh, said that it has been demonstrated that 12 minutes a day of being thankful results in a significant improvement in your sense of well-being. So, you know, Set yourself to praise the Lord every day, to get outside of yourself and think about God and his glory and his goodness and, and just praise him and you will find yourself feeling much better about life as a result. Turn in your Bibles to uh, Isaiah chapter 25. Isaiah chapter 25. O Lord... You are my God. I will exalt you. I will praise your name. Now, in your Bibles, you pro the O Lord. Lord is probably all capital. And that means that in the Hebrew text, it is the proper name for God. We refer to that as the tetragrammaton, uh, which the Jews, when they come across that, they just say Adonai, which means my Lord, so they don't perchance uh, take the name of the Lord in vain. But it, what it means is that this is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and J Jacob. Uh, we will sometimes refer to this as Yahweh. We don't exactly know how his name was pronounced. But, uh, but what Isaiah is saying is, Yahweh, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, you're my God. Not just some generic God, not the God of the of the Canaanites or the nations around me, but the true and living God. You're my God, and it's you I exalt, and it's you I praise. And so as Christians, we are not just praising a generic God, we are praising the triune God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the one true God. He's the one that we exalt, we lift up. He's the one whose name 
we praise. And Isaiah gives us in this text five reasons to praise the Lord. And the first reason is found here in verse 1. For you have done wonderful things, plans formed of old, faithful and sure. The first reason to praise the Lord is because God fulfills his plans. Before God said, let there be light, he planned to rescue people from the power, presence, and penalty of sin by the death and resurrection of his son, Jesus Christ. That was his plan before he ever created the world. And he has other good plans that he has executed. But the key is this. What God plans, he fulfills. What he promises, he does. Why? Because God is faithful. He doesn't change his mind. When he says he's going to do something, when he sets out to do it, he does it. 100% of the time. And also... God has the power to fulfill his plans. No one and nothing can stop him. There is no obstacle that could be erected to spoil the plans of God. And this is such good news for the people of God. Because as the Apostle Peter reminds us, God has given to us great and glorious promises. Great and glorious promises. And and we want to know that God can make good on his promises. And we know that he can. He is faithful. He'll do what he says. And he's got the power to make it happen. And so we can just rest. We can rest knowing that those great and glorious promises that God has made to his people will all come to pass. Joshua on his deathbed, reminded the people of Israel that God was faithful to fulfill his promises. We read this in Joshua chapter 23, verse 14. Joshua says, and now I'm about to go the way of all the earth. He's about to die. And you know in your hearts and souls, all of you, that not one word has failed of all the good things that the Lord your God promised concerning you. All have come to pass for you. Not one of them has failed. Joshua's about to die. And what does he want to remind his fellow Israelite? Please, guys, take notice of the fact that God did what he said he would do. What he promised he was going to do, he did it 100% uh, to the end zone Nothing was left undone. The great and glorious promises of God that he has made to his people. He's going to fulfill them. He will fulfill all of them. And for that we praise the Lord. We say God praise you. That you keep your promises that the plans that you make, you fulfill those plans. Because God, you have made great and glorious promises to me. And I can't wait for those to be fulfilled. Is that worth praising God for? Is that worth getting out of yourself and your own temporary pains and problems and heartaches? 
and look to the Lord and say, wow, thank you, God. I praise you, God. I have reason to hope. I have reason to be glad. The second reason Isaiah gives to praise the Lord is found in verses 2 and 3. For you have made the city a heap, the fortified city a ruin. The foreigner's palace is a city no more. It will never be rebuilt. Therefore, strong peoples will glorify you. Cities of ruthless nations will fear you. Second reason to praise the Lord is because God overcomes his opponents. God overcomes his opponents. Now, the city here is, is a representative city. It's not a particular city. It represents the city of man as opposed to the city of God. It represents humanity organized without regard for God and his ways. This is the city of man that is full of human pride and violence and ambition and priorities and rebellion against its creator. God has opponents. In fact, all of us start life out as opponents to God, as rebels. But, and, and all of God's oppo opponents will be overcome. What happens to the city? The city is made a heap. The fortified city a ruin. The foreigner's palace is a city no more and it will never be rebuilt. Those who set themselves up in opposition to God will be overcome. And that overcoming can happen in one of two ways. The first is you remain stiff-necked and you rebel against God all through life. And then someday you stand before God at judgment and you bow the knee because you are overpowered by the majesty and the just judgment of the Lord. And that's a terrible way to be overcome by God. Because that results in you being cast off into hell. But there will be many people for whom that's, that's their final end. Because they refuse to bow the knee to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords now in this life. But there is a second much better way to be overcome. And that is to repent of your sins and put your faith in God's Son, Jesus Christ. That is to believe God's warnings that judgment against sin is coming and to repent and be reconciled to your maker. And the good news is that that's, that's the path that God wants for you. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's his desire. And, and the good news is that that's the reality for many people. And that's what verse 3 is talking about. Therefore, strong peoples will glorify you. Cities of ruthless nations will fear you. History is littered uh, with people who started out shaking their fist at God, who even were uh, anti-Christian, like the Apostle Paul, breathing fire against the church, grabbing Christians, putting them in prison, getting them killed. And then the Lord gets a hold of their hearts and 
They make peace with God. They are converted. They become champions of the gospel. They begin to glorify their maker. And it's happened to uh, head-hunting tribes. It's happened to communist party leaders. It's happened to Roman emperors. It's happened to violent, wicked men and women throughout the ages. They have been overcome in repentance. They bow the knee now. They kiss the sun now while they still have breath in their lungs and they become reconciled to God. Yes, they're overcome, but they're overcome by God's grace and joy. In Psalm chapter 2, the psalmist talks about the nations raging against God and His anointed one. Let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. In other words, we don't want to be ruled by God. We don't want to be bound by His laws. We want to be free to live our own lives under our own judgment. And God says, He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. He says, I, I have a king. And you, the king will break them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Judgment is coming upon the wicked. Now therefore, O kings, be wise. Be warned, O rulers of the, wor- of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry and you perish in the way, for his wrath is quickly kindled. God warns people of coming judgment. And some people heed the warning and they kiss the Son. They make peace with the Son of God. That's Jesus Christ. And they do that in this life so that when Christ returns, they bow the knee in joy because their Savior has come. And so we praise the Lord We praise the Lord that all opposition is overcome. That that those who oppose the Lord are overcome. That's right. That's necessary. That's good. And we are especially thankful that God overcomes so many with his grace. And they get saved. And so we say, God, we praise you. We praise you that you overcome all of your enemies. And Lord, that so many are overcome by your grace. And then we set ourselves to be preaching the gospel and taking the gospel even to those who uh, right now are very opposed. You might have somebody in your life who is uh, angry at you and harsh toward you precisely because you're a follower of Jesus Christ. And in your heart, you might think to yourself, this person is never going to come to faith in Jesus. They might. They might. I have been surprised multiple times at who the Lord saves. The third reason Isaiah gives us for praising the Lord is found in verses 4 and 5. For you have been a stronghold to the poor and a stronghold to the needy in his distress. A shelter from the storm and a shade from the heat. For the breath of the ruthless is like a storm against a wall, like heat in a dry place. You subdue the noise of the foreigners as heat by the shade of a cloud 
So the song of the ruthless is put down. The third reason Isaiah gives for praising the Lord is because God takes care of the poor and needy. Now the poor and needy are not necessarily the economically poor and needy. It's any person who turns to God with his need. That's the poor and needy. The one who recognizes, I need God's help. And they turn to God with their need. And when we do that, we find God a stronghold and a shelter. We find that God takes care of us. And this is, this is absolutely a, a reason to praise the Lord. God takes care of his people. You might have a need right now in your life. And it's on the forefront of your mind and your heart. You know what that need is. Take your need to the Lord. Take your need to him and say, God, I'm poor and I'm needy. I am desperate without you. I am coming to you with my need. Would you please meet it? Would you please take care of me? Would you be a shelter and a stronghold? I'm going to hang out here with you until my need is met. And you, will, you do that, and you will find that God will take care of you. And this has been the experience of, of God's people throughout ages. And, it, and it's absolutely one of the reasons that we praise God. God, I thank you that when I find myself in a place of need, or when your people find themselves in a place of need, and we take it to you, you take care of us. Always. It, it is such a peace giver to have the stronghold and the shelter of God available at all times to us. The fourth reason Isaiah gives for why we should praise the Lord is found in verses 6 through 9. On this mountain... And that is Jerusalem. It's also representative of the, uh, the place where God is. On this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine, of rich food full of marrow, of aged wine well-refined. God desires to bless all people. Isaiah was an Israelite. He was part of the, the Jewish nation, the people of God, but he understood that God's plan was ultimately to bless all the nations. That the salvation he would bring in Jesus Christ was for all people on the planet. And he will swallow up on this mountain the covering that is cast over all peoples the veil that is spread over all nations. So what is that? What is the covering that is cast over all peoples? What is the veil that is spread over all nations? It's death. He will swallow up death forever. Think about that. God will swallow up 
death forever. There is coming a day when the people of God will no longer have to think about or worry about or experience death. It will be a thing of the past. It will have been swallowed up to bother us no longer. During this coronavirus, many people are walking around uh, terrified of death. Death is the, the greatest thing that they fear. But here's what I, I think Isaiah wants us to know. Death is not the biggest fish in the pond. God is the biggest fish in the pond. Yes, death is often talked about as, you know, death will swallow up. We get swallowed up in the grave. But God swallows up death forever. God is the biggest fish in the pond. If you want to be afraid of someone, be afraid of God. Why be afraid of the one who can kill the body but cannot kill the soul? So, let me ask you, is, is, it, is the, the, the promise that God will swallow up death forever and take death out of your life, is that something to praise God for? Is that something to uh, feel peace about and something to feel good about? <laughs> Absolutely. That is, it is such a staggering, uh, a staggering hope, a staggering promise. It absolutely should affect our sense of well-being. That there's coming a time when I will rise again from the dead just like Jesus did. Jesus, though, is the one who died on the mountain. And he rose again from the grave on that mountain. And so we, too, will rise from the grave. But that's not all. He goes on and says, And the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces. Not only will death be swallowed up, so will heartache and sorrow and pain and disappointment and regret. You know, all the things that cause pain, uh, cause tears, God's going to wipe the tears away, which means he's going to take away all the things that cause tears in our lives. We're not going to die, and then the quality of our life becomes flat-out awesome. You're starting to feel welling up within you a desire to praise the Lord? Absolutely. Swallowed up death forever, wipes away tear from all fa tears from all faces, and it goes on, and the reproach of his people he'll take away from all the earth. For the Lord has spoken. God's promised to do this. And he fulfills his promises. So the people of God uh, in many parts of the world endure reproach. In fact, I would say the bulk of the world looks at the Christian at, an, at a minimum thinks that we're kind of squandering our lives by foolishly following rules and regulations of the Bible. But someday... Someday it will be shown that the people of God had it right the whole time. It will be said on that day, Behold, this is our God. We have waited for him 
that he might save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. Now the people in Isaiah's time were waiting for the coming of the Messiah. The Messiah has come, Jesus Christ. And so the kingdom of God has begun. We've begun to experience that great salvation. Uh, but it's not until Jesus returns a second time. Jesus returns in which we will experience these promises in their fullness. And so we're still waiting. And there's coming a day when the waiting will be over. And we're all going to say, we waited and we waited and we trusted the Lord. And he did it. And it's come now and it's fully realized. Ah, this is awesome. Praise the Lord. So the fourth reason we praise the Lord is because God will swallow up death forever. He'll wipe away all tears and he will vindicate his people. The final reason Isaiah gives for praising the Lord is found in verses 10 through 12. For the hand of the Lord will rest on this mountain. So on Zion, on Jerusalem, on the people of God will be his hand of blessing. And Moab shall be trampled down in his place as straw is trampled down in a dunghill. It's not very attractive. Moab is representative of the stiff-necked person, the arrogant person, the person who refuses to take their need to God and says, I'm going to do it on my own, and persists in that. Salvation is offered to all people, even violent, arrogant, uh, oppressors of the church can be saved. But if you maintain your rebellion against God, and you remain, maintain your pride, there is no hope for you. Your end will be total destruction. And he will spread out his hands in the midst of it, in the midst of the dunghill, as a swimmer spreads his hands out to swim. It's very yucky. But the Lord will lay low his pompous pride together with the skill of his hands. And the high fortifications of his walls he will bring down, lay low, and cast to the ground, to the dust. So the fifth reason that we praise the Lord is because he will remove wickedness from our existence. There is coming a day when the wicked will be removed. They'll be taken out of God's creation. And we will no longer have to uh, interact with the wicked and experience their pressure on us. Uh, when we go to the internet, we're not going to have to fight against the temptation of the flesh that's right there. We're not going to find our appetites uh, constantly being awakened to want to buy more and be discontent with what God's given us. And it, there's just not going to be temptation to sin and there's, there aren't, there's not going to be wickedness pulling at us or wicked people prodding at us. The wicked and all wickedness will be removed. And it will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we long for that. Christians, from the time of Jesus, we've been praying, Lord, come quickly. God, we want it done on earth as it is in heaven. And as it is in heaven, for that to happen, the wicked need to be removed, and they will be.
And so we praise the Lord. And we say, Lord, thank you that there's coming a day when we're not going to have to contend with the wicked or with wickedness any longer. Now, there are many more reasons to praise the Lord, but Isaiah has given us uh, five of them. And I hope that what we see here is that we have reason to praise. We have reason to get outside of ourselves and to be enamored with God and overcome with his glory and goodness and to praise him. And he deserves it and it's good for us. And if we will build a rhythm of praise in our lives, we will be much healthier and happier peace people. And I recommend this to you, especially now during this uh, pandemic time, uh, as a way to really um, fight against anxiety and, and, and depression and to promote not only the glory of the Lord, not only his rightful place in your life, but your own well-being. So I'm going to read, I'm going to end by reading these five reasons to praise the Lord. And I want you to grab one of them right now and, and just be, uh, drill down on it and really praise the Lord for it. Number one, I praise you, Lord, because you fulfill your plans. All your good promises to me will come to pass. Number two, I praise you, Lord, because you overcome your opponents. There will no longer be uh, opposition to you. And Lord, so many of your opponents you overcome with your grace. And I pray for people that I know who are still resistant to you, Lord. I pray that they will come to glorify you and fear you. Number three, I praise you, Lord, because you protect the poor and needy. When, when anyone turns to you with need, you take care of them. Number four, God, I praise you because someday you're going to swallow up death forever. You're going to wipe away all tears and you will vindicate your people. And the fifth reason, God, I praise you because someday you're going to take wickedness out of our existence and we will no longer have to contend with the wicked and temptation. It will only be good. Grab one of those, spend some time praising the Lord, and then we'll sing together. So Lord, we praise you. We extol your name for these reasons and for so many more. And Lord, I pray that you would uh, start us afresh on a, on a mission to praise you every day, Lord. You are worthy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.